0: This Post Reports podcast is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle, the cloud-based business management software that gives you the visibility and control you need to grow. NetSuite is offering their free guide, 7 Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at netsuite.com/wapo. Second floor, going up. So
1: Right now it is 8:34 am. We are in the press gallery in the Capitol and we are waiting today for the vote on the impeachment of the president. This is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Wednesday, December 18th. Today, a historic moment. Donald J. Trump becomes the third president to be impeached. We're here to see how that all unfolds. We're going to be talking to reporters about what they're watching out for. Hey, Mike DeBonis. Reporter for The Washington Post. How's it going? Hello, Sung Win, How are you? This timing worked out. Paul Kane, congressional reporter. How is this day going for you? Uh, The state
2: is actually going so far, according to plan. How are you splitting up? Who does what? I don't. Okay, so the 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 short answer is I don't know what everybody's going to be doing, but it's all hands on deck.
3: So I'm going to be watching mostly the action on the Senate side.
2: I am the senior congressional correspondent, the old man of the group. I'll be wandering the halls. We'll all be in the gallery at some point watching the action.
1: How does today feel so far compared to a normal day on Capitol Hill?
2: I mean, obviously, there's a lot of press interest.
3: This really is a momentous day. I mean, this is why we do this job. I mean, it's, it's history, and we get to watch it and report it uh, for our readers and viewers and listeners.
2: There's going to be a lot of reporters. They're handing out tickets in the House gallery for tonight's proceedings, which is not typical. Does this even say impeachment on it. It's such a buzzkill. It's
4: just...
0: Yeah, but it it doesn't say impeachment. There's nothing about the ticket. It's
2: just... And it's going to be one of those days that there's only a handful that really stick in your mind, and this is going to be one of
1: them. Remind us, what are the
2: actual articles that people are going to be voting on? So there's two articles. One is abuse of power, alleging that... Donald Trump put his own personal political interests above the national security interests of the nation. The second is obstruction of Congress, alleging that the president engaged in a scheme to defy the constitutional order and uh, defy Congress's responsibility of oversight.
1: And at this point, do we know for a fact that House Democrats have enough votes to be able to
2: impeach the president on both of these charges? We do. We're not going into the Day today with a lot of drama about how this is ultimately gonna turn out. So today the house is gonna gavel in at nine o'clock.
4: The house will be in order. The chair lays before the house a communication from the speaker.
2: We're expecting some immediate procedural shenanigans from Republicans as protests. When you're the minority in the House of Representatives, you don't have a huge number of tools at your disposal to make a point, but we're expecting Republicans to use a lot of them today. You can move to adjourn.
3: Madam Speaker, so we can stop wasting America's time on impeachment, I move that the House do now adjourn.
4: Question is on the motion to adjourn. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed say no. The no's have it. The motion is not adopted.
2: You can disrupt members' days. You can bring them in to vote when they weren't expecting to vote. I think everyone is on alert that it's going to be that kind of day.
0: And then there was a a secondary vote on a privilege resolution that was saying that the entire impeachment process was essentially out of order.
1: I believe this is the most unfair, politically biased, rigged process.
2: President Trump, for the record, was not provided the opportunity to challenge the facts and still has not received the materials from the judiciary as required by H.R.E.S. 660. Another example of why this isn't a fair process.
0: Both of those votes were knocked down by Democrats, as expected.
2: We're
3: here to talk about the president's behavior, uh, and that's what I think we all should be focused on, not just process. But I want to just uh, say that I'm proud of the process. Democrats and Republicans have had equal opportunity to participate in the months-long impeachment inquiry. We'll start
2: six hours of debate, probably more procedural shenanigans sprinkled in that. This is all going to come to a head this evening with votes on the two articles of impeachment and a resolution concerning the managers. That will probably happen anywhere from 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock. All, All right. Now. Uh, I'm actually headed back over to the House
0: soon and then out and back.
2: <laughs> Mr. Speaker, Madam Speaker, I now yield one minute to the distinguished Speaker of the House.
4: Gentle Lady, distinguished Speaker is recognized for one minute. Just after noon,
1: debate on the floor began with Speaker Nancy Pelosi.
4: We gather today under the dome of this temple of democracy to exercise one of the most solemn powers that this body can take, the impeachment of the President of the United States. No member, regardless of party or politics, comes to Congress to impeach a president. But every one of us, as our first act as a member of Congress, stood on this historic House floor before our beautiful American flag and raised our hands in this sacred oath. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So help me God.
1: Then came Republican Doug Collins, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee.
4: Thank you, Madam Speaker.
3: And we are here today to enter into a debate... This should surprise no one. This has not been a surprise and it's not even something that we would have not thought about. From the very moment that the majority party in this house won, the inevitability that we would be here today was only a matter of what date they would schedule it. Nothing else. You know, it's not about what this body can do and its constitutional oath. And there's been a lot of constitutional and founders thrown around and will be all day today. But there's one thing that I will mention all along, and that is also the founders were very concerned about a partisan impeachment in which politics of the majority who have their strength can do what they want to do, irregardless of any facts. In fact, I've said it before, and
1: I will say So, Aaron Blake, it is now 2 p.m., so the actual debate on the articles of impeachment had been going on for about two hours now. What have we heard so far?
5: Well, in a lot of ways, we've heard what we've been hearing uh, for the last several weeks in these impeachment hearings, first in the House Intelligence Committee, then the Judiciary Committee, and then finally in the Rules Committee this week. Republicans have, I think, even over the course of, of those weeks, become even more resolute in their defenses of President Trump and basically that there is no there there. Republicans have essentially argued that this was a predetermined outcome, that Democrats have basically melded the facts uh, to satisfy that predetermined outcome, and that whatever the president is being accused of isn't even bad enough to impeach a president. So Democrats, on the other hand, are talking about this uh, in, uh, in in very solemn terms is what I think has been the, the prevailing takeaway so far. They've talked about this as if it is their duty, even if they recognize maybe it's not likely to succeed in the end in removing him uh, and basically are projecting the idea that they're not happy about having to do this uh, and that it's not a personal thing with the president.
1: And I think that we saw that from the very beginning of the debate with Speaker Nancy Pelosi She was wearing black. She was very somber in how she was talking about this decision that was before these members of Congress. And she really seemed to not want to be making this about Democrats winning or Democrats uh, being able to stick it to the president.
4: Very sadly now, our founders vision of a republic is under threat from actions from the White House. That is why today, as Speaker of the House, I solemnly and sadly open the debate on the impeachment of the president of the United States.
5: Nancy Pelosi, at least publicly, was not an advocate for impeachment for a very long time. She was holding up this process when a lot of her colleagues wanted to go down this road, just based upon the Russia investigation before we learned about any of this Ukraine stuff, really. But I also think it's just a it is a thing where the more they can say that this is not something that they're happy to be doing, I think, makes it seem less personal. And I think they hope sends the message that they're, they've they taken this step after considering it very closely and doing it even though they didn't want to, at least in her case.
1: And what were some of the arguments that Republicans made during the debate today?
5: Many of them have actually been trending towards kind of an apocalyptic scene. I'm thinking mostly of one moment where Congressman Clay Higgins from Louisiana took to the microphone and offered some pretty vivid imagery.
0: I have descended into the belly of the beast. I have witnessed the terror within and I rise committed to oppose the insidious forces which threaten our republic. America is being severely injured by this betrayal. By this unjust and weaponized impeachment brought upon us by the same socialists who threaten unborn life in the womb, who threaten First Amendment rights of conservatives.
5: Another popular argument, and, and one that's not terribly surprising uh, given it's been used in recent days, is this idea that the president in these impeachment articles isn't actually being accused of a crime. We saw Congressman Tom McClintock from California making this case. Now, Article I is a made-up crime called abuse of office. It does not charge that the President broke any law, but that Congress doesn't like the way he lawfully discharged his constitutional duties. This would reduce the presidency to that of a minister serving at the pleasure of Congress, destroying the separation
0: of powers at the heart of our Constitution. Article 2 is another made-up crime called obstruction of Congress. It means the president sought to defend his constitutional rights and those of his office. It removes the judiciary from our Constitution
5: and places Congress alone in the position of defining the limits of its own powers relative to the president. We saw Peter King from New York also making it. To impeach a
0: president for a phone call for which no crime is charged, never mind a high crime, and asserting his constitutional prerogatives as president is a clear abuse of power by the Congress.
5: This is an argument that... Democrats basically gave to Republicans when they chose to make these impeachment articles about abuse of power and obstruction of Congress rather than accusing the president of bribery, which is a statutory crime, or obstruction of justice, which is also a statutory crime. Obstruction of Congress is is different uh, and is not something that you would be tried in a court of law for. So, you know, to the extent Republicans can use that to say— What the president is being accused of isn't even that serious, I think, is really what they're going for here.
4: So what
1: are some of the key issues that Democrats are raising in response to these attacks from Republicans?
5: Well, the response to the idea that the impeachment articles include no crimes has generally been that the president has actually committed crimes. They've been crimes against the Constitution and not necessarily statutory crimes. A few Democrats who have been making these arguments include Pramila Jayapal, a member from Washington. Our
0: founders, Mr. Chairman, Mr. Speaker, entrusted us with the awesome responsibility of protecting our democracy, which gets its power not from the bloodlines of monarchs, but from the votes of we, the
2: people.
5: Ted Lieu from California. No one is above the law, and the Constitution is the supreme
2: law of the land. I first swore an oath to the Constitution when I joined the United States Air Force on active duty. And the oath I took was not to a political party or to a president or to a king. It was to a document that has made America the greatest nation on earth. And that document contains a safeguard for when the president's abuse of power is so extreme that it warrants impeachment.
5: And Cedric Richmond from Louisiana.
2: Madam Speaker, Donald Trump recently said I can do
0: anything I want. He also bragged that he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. Well, he's shooting holes in our Constitution on Pennsylvania Avenue.
1: And then I think it's interesting to see someone like Representative Jeffries and what he said. He couched this vote in terms of a lofty idea like emancipation. It seems like Democrats are really trying to speak from a moral high ground.
3: There are some who cynically argue that the impeachment of this president will further divide an already fractured union. But there is a difference between division and clarification. Slavery once divided the nation, but emancipators rose up to clarify that all men are created equally. Suffrage once divided the nation, but women rose up to clarify that all voices must be heard in our democracy. Jim Crow once divided the nation, but civil rights champions rose up to clarify That all are entitled to equal protection under the law. There is a difference between division and clarification.
5: Yeah, Hakeem Jeffries from New York is one of the people who's talked about as a potential future Speaker of the House. And he took on this argument that Republicans have been pointing out that Democrats, before they were for impeachment, said that impeachment needed to be a bipartisan thing. Of course, it's not being bipartisan today. It's not going to be. So why are they going through it is is the question. And Jeffries basically said, in an ideal world, this would be bipartisan. But just because something is divisive doesn't mean it's not worth doing.
1: Well, Aaron, thank you so much. That's our one and two of this debate. We have many more hours to go. So we'll check in with you a little bit later. Sounds great. As the debate continued through the afternoon, a succession of lawmakers from both sides took turns making their case.
4: Thank you, Madam Speaker. Today's a sad day in the people's house.
1: Donald Trump has abused the
2: power of his office.
1: And some other themes became clear. For Republicans, the argument was that the Democrats were acting on their hatred of the president.
2: Just because you hate the president of the United States and you can find no other reason other than the fact that you're so blinded by your hate that you can't see straight, that you've decided the only way we can make sure this president doesn't get elected
0: again is to impeach him. The gentleman from Texas was introducing impeachment resolutions to years ago and said President Trump should be impeached so he can't get re-elected.
1: Republicans also argued that Democrats were trying to overturn the 2016 election.
2: Today is the culmination of the Democrats' three-year-long quest to delegitimize the president. This has been in the works since November 2016. If the House of Representatives passes the articles of impeachment, the Democrats will have set a dangerous precedent by undoing America's votes for president because a single party disagreed with the 2016 presidential election results. I urge my colleagues to vote no on the articles of impeachment, and I yield back.
1: And the Democrats kept trying to make the argument that all they were doing was protecting the
5: Constitution.
1: Doing nothing here, Madam Speaker, is not an option. Looking away from these crimes against our country is not an option.
5: President of the United
0: States has violated his oath of office. And betrayed the Constitution and the American people.
5: He admitted to soliciting assistance from a foreign leader to interfere in a U.S. election and aid his political reelection campaign. That's a violation of a law violation of the Constitution and a betrayal of the American people and an
0: impeachable offense.
1: Then came Congressman Adam Schiff, chairman of the Intelligence Committee and the man who managed the impeachment investigation for the Democrats.
0: Madam Speaker, my colleagues, my fellow Americans. I rise to support the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. When a man, unprincipled in private life, desperate in his fortune, bold in his temper, possessed of considerable talents, having the advantage of military habits, despotic in his ordinary demeanor, known to have scoffed in private at the principles of liberty, when such a man is seen to mount the hobby horse of popularity, to join in the cry of danger to liberty, to take every opportunity of embarrassing the government, the general government, and bringing it under suspicion, to flatter and fall in with all the nonsense of the zealots of the day, it may justly be suspected that his object is to throw things into confusion, that he may ride the storm and direct the whirlwind." These are the words of Alexander Hamilton, Written in 1792. Could we find a more perfect description of the present danger emanating from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? This Post Reports podcast is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. Avenue.
1: So, Aaron Blake, it is just after 8 p.m. and debate on the floor of the House has just wrapped up. What were some of the big takeaways that you saw from the latter part of the debate that we saw on the
4: House floor?
5: They really stuck with their partisan lines to a remarkable degree, I think, especially on the Republican side. When the Ukraine scandal broke, the Republicans were reluctant to defend the president's conduct, They were more focused on process issues. I think what you saw on Wednesday was the party basically not just arguing that this wasn't impeachable, but that there was no really bad conduct even there. And so that was the case they made throughout the day. Towards the end of the speeches, they actually started kind of getting riled up and excited and kind of cheering each other.
3: I tell you what, Madam Speaker, let me have just a few minutes, stop the clock, and let me go around to the press corps and everybody here, and I'm going to accuse you of something. You did it. You did it. You did it. You did it. Now prove it's wrong. You did it. They don't just hate Donald Trump, Madam Speaker. They hate the 63 million Americans who voted for this president.
1: And booing. You heard a lot more booing. And
5: booing. And there were disturbances and things like that. Especially when Steve Scalise was speaking.
4: House will be in order. Gentlemen may proceed. Thank you, Madam Speaker. It's
3: those forgotten men and women of this country that Washington had left behind. And what's this president doing for them?
5: He's delivering for them. He gave a speech in which he talked about how the Democrats don't just hate President Trump. They actually hate the 63 million people who voted for President Trump.
1: Which is pretty intense language to be using about 63 million Americans.
5: It, It really is. And I think that was the moment where it became evident that Republicans weren't just defending the president. They think this is something that can be used maybe for some political gain. And maybe if this is going to be their argument going forward, that's an obviously a very pitched argument to make. But they're, they're certainly not backing down from it.
1: And then one of the last people that we heard was House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. What did he have to say?
5: Kevin McCarthy kind of picked up where Steve Scalise had left off.
1: Madam Speaker. I must
3: warn you.
5: And he started his speech by saying Democrats. that he had Donald bad news for the Democrats.
3: Donald J. Trump is president of the United States.
5: That Donald Trump was president.
3: He is president today.
5: He was going to be president tomorrow. He'll be
3: president tomorrow.
5: After impeachment.
3: And he will be president when this impeachment is over.
5: It, it was intended to reinforce this idea that this is all about. Democrats being sore losers and wanting to get rid of a president that they can't stand. And of course, President Trump certainly is someone that Democrats can't stand. But their argument has been that and we saw this in in Steny Hoyer, the majority leader's closing speech, that they had actually voted against impeachment three times when it came up before. It was only after the Ukraine stuff broke that they actually committed to it as a party.
0: Democrats did not choose this impeachment. We did not wish for it. We voted against it. We voted against it once. We voted against it twice. We voted against it three times as recently as July. We did not want this.
1: So now that House Democrats have finally reached this moment, this this critical point that they've been talking about for months or even years— what does it mean and and what does this change for President Trump?
5: Uh, fundamentally, I'm not sure it changes a whole lot. The president's numbers haven't changed significantly. Support for impeachment is still very evenly divided. It's gotten slightly more evenly divided in the last couple of days and weeks. I think that Democrats went into this mostly hoping that it didn't hurt them. We don't know. If that would necessarily be the case, I think it's likely to be more marginal, given how far away the election is. Um, but Nancy Pelosi basically signed off on this after resisting it for so long, because I think she was convinced that it wouldn't hurt that much at the very least, and that it was the right thing to do, that it was a check on the president's behavior. Um, whether it ultimately will be a check on, on his behavior, I, I think that uh, it's it seems unlikely he's going to change it up too much. But this is the tool that they had at their disposal, and they decided to use it.
1: But ultimately, we're pretty confident in how this is going to end. That The, the chances that the Senate is actually going to convict the president are extremely low. So what are we supposed to take away from this?
4: Well,
5: I think what Democrats would want you to take away is that President Trump will forever be known as the third American president ever to have been impeached. What Republicans are going to want to take away is that this was A completely partisan process, that Democrats rushed through it, that they didn't necessarily get all the evidence that they needed, and basically that the president was overzealously accused of these things and that this was all about politics. I think that people who are on either side of this debate over the president are likely to accept those arguments very easily and without much question. And eventually, we're probably in the same position we were before just with that line in the president's political obituary probably being added, and the question from here of whether it actually weighs upon people's votes in November.
1: Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you. On Wednesday evening, just after 8 p.m., the House of Representatives voted on the two Articles of Impeachment. On Article One, Abuse of Power.
4: On this vote, the yeas are 230, The nays are 197. Present is 1. Article 1 is adopted.
1: On Article 2, obstruction of Congress.
4: On this vote, the yeas are 229. The nays are 198. Present is 1. Article 2 is adopted.
1: No Republican member of Congress voted to pass either article.
4: The House stands adjourned till 9 a.m. tomorrow.
1: Donald Trump is now the third president in American history to be impeached. The trial against the president is expected to start in the Senate in early January. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.
0: Contributions to Post Helping Hand go directly to services run by beneficiaries Bright Beginnings and Street Village and so others might eat, that provides shelter, food, education, and other services to those less fortunate in the Washington, D.C. region. Learn more at posthelpinghand.com.